This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Tech trends for 2021 that you won't want to miss. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Amy Webb, professor of strategic foresight at NYU Stern School of Business, author, quantitative futurist, and CEO of the Future Today Institute. Welcome back, Amy. Hey, Tanya. Remind our audience what you and your team at the Future Today Institute do. So the Future Today Institute is a strategic advisory firm, and we focus on emerging forces, signals, and trends and do scenario planning and scenarios thinking uh, for lots of organizations all around the world. Wow, that was a, summing up a lot. You do a lot, actually. So um, she's understating here. But the focus of this interview today is about your 2021 Tech Trends Report. This is our fourth year covering the tech trends, uh, but this year- Thank you, thank you. Yes, of course. Well, it's always <laughs> very exciting. Um, this year, you really raised the bar, uh, Amy. Tell us about how this year's report differs from maybe previous years. So typically our process is pretty data heavy and it's, a, it's an enormous amount of research. And in a normal year, we're tracking what are called longitudinal trends. So these are forces, signals, and trends that tend to sort of mature over time. So these are not temporary flashes in the pan, which means that most years we don't have trends fall off the list. Um, they may combine and become part of other things that are happening. But uh, in the year 2000, there were a lot of cataclysmic events and the result of that and, and that had to do obviously with the virus, but also some political changes in the United States and elsewhere, and some big changes that happened in key areas of technology, is that we wound up with a 22% increase in the number of trends that we covered. So just the, the sheer number of aftershocks from all of the change over the past you know, 18 months um, had a profound impact on the research and what we did. So this year's report uh, for the first time crossed the 500 mark. So we now cover more than 500 technology and science trends. And to be honest, it nearly broke us, but here we are. Well, you spoke about the pandemic. How did the pandemic force your team to pivot exactly? And what role did similar pivots play in shaping the trends for 2021? Well, you know, anytime there are big shifts, uh, you wind up with brand new signals. And our challenge is sorting out the weak signals um, and the strong signals and trying to make sense of what's there. And it just, it was, it was a lot more work. Uh, um, we had a lot more data to sift through. We had many more interviews to conduct. It was just, it was just more. Um, and, you know, we, I guess we could have probably sort of just had a COVID supplement and said, hey, a bunch is different because of COVID. Just read the section if you want. But the truth is that, you know, some of those aftershocks uh, we're, we're obviously still living with, but they, they had some really interesting tendrils. Um, you could argue that the rise of NFTs 
it has to do with people staying at home and having stimulus checks and having this sort of perfect storm of new investment vehicles. Same thing with fractional ownership, which is all aided by emerging technologies. The messenger RNA um, that is in the two predominant shots now, vaccines in the United States, is a synthetic biology. It's a new form of, that's not really new. It, the, the research has been there for a while, but previously it had been within the realm of cancer research. And now we're looking at, you know, all different types of vaccines and plausible ways to reprogram biology. So, you know, we, we try to be as comprehensive as we can because leaders and organizations, um, they, they use this report to make key strategic decisions um, and also to ask better questions. So. FTI has grown over the years, and you still are in maybe the two digits. You mentioned a couple of times that it was really challenging. In fact, I think your word was it nearly broke you. How do you do all the research? What goes into a report of this scale? And how do you arrive at your conclusions? Mm -hmm. So we use a methodology that I developed 16 years ago, I think. Um, it's been 16 years. Uh, that is pretty rigorous. Um, there are a couple of frameworks and, and all of this work is open source, but we, we use what, what we call the 11 sources of macro disruption. So at any given time, there are lots of signals of disruption emanating from areas over which no one entity has total control. These are big macroeconomic forces, but also shifts in demographics and public health. And even though our focus is science and tech, we're still looking at science and tech through the lenses of things like infrastructure and geopolitics, um, because technology is part and parcel of everything. So we have this beginning process where we are looking at the macro forces of change and trying to decipher, trying to surface where we find those signals. We then use a pattern recognition system. Some of this is done uh, sort of heuristically, so it's us using the system to look for patterns, but we also have a computer model that uses some AI to help do some of this pattern recognition for us. Um, and so we're looking for contradictions and inflections and basically key indicators that tell us maybe these signals are, are strong enough that we should consider what their implications are. And then we use another framework to, from all of that information, model um, what the trends are. And the trends in our, our world have to meet certain characteristics. So it's sort of a multi-level process. We are pulling data from pre-publication academic uh, research servers, and you know we're looking at esoteric um, trade journals, and talking to investors, um, and talking to startups. Uh, you know, we, we again try to be as exhaustive as we can throughout that whole process. As with so much of the content offered by FTI. This report is free to download. What are some of the more creative ways you've seen the information used in enterprise? So creative ways. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we know that the report is being used in uh, strategy. So people who work in strategy, so chief strategy officers in their departments um, in research. So research divisions, R&D, innovation, um, also human resources. So it, it sort of cuts across all different divisions of organizations. And I think overwhelmingly um, companies are using this material to 
check their own assumptions, which is exactly how it should be used. This report is not intended to tell you the future. It's intended to get you to ask better questions. Um, because at any given moment, you know, the moment that we hit publish, parts of that report became outdated because we don't live in a static environment. Um, so I think the best case scenarios are when companies use the, the information to have really great, challenging, strategic conversations. Um, I think the organizations that go wrong when they use our report is when they, they sort of treat it as gospel and they start building other processes or whatever it might be based on these trends and they don't try to do any updating. Um, so, you know, I think that there's some good and there's some bad. The report is also not just trends. There's several dozen scenarios. And so the point of these scenarios is again, to help your mind wander productively. And it's to get organizations to start thinking beyond their cherished beliefs um, and really to provoke them a little bit. So there are lots of scenarios. Um, and we know that some organizations, some more creative organizations have made games out of scenarios and have used those scenarios as launching, you know, launching pads to, to think about the next order impacts. Um, but the report's also used in Hollywood. Uh, so there are lots of producers and writers and directors for movies and shows and commercials um, who, who use the report uh, to help generate brand new ideas for shows and stories and plot lines and things like that. Well, that probably explains the new um, zombie movie that's coming out. <laughs> How about growing businesses, Amy? Are there takeaways for startups and smaller operations in this report? Yeah, so if there was one big overarching theme, um, and, and in fact there is, uh, it is that the, the theme of the report is the new world disorder. So as a result of all of the cataclysmic events, several key areas became disordered. Um, now disorder does not necessarily mean bad. Uh, it just mean thing, it means that things changed. And typically when you see the amount of change that we've just seen, the amount of disorder, um, there are winners and losers. And the winners typically are those organizations that were nimble enough to look for inflections and start, you know, incrementally testing out new ideas or making small changes. And there are a ton of growth areas um, now in the year 2021 that did not exist in the year 2020. Now, to be fair, there are also a lot of businesses that have really struggled. I mean, it has been a rough year for lots of companies. Um, but if you're able to, to look beyond your most recent experience, which to be fair, might have been really challenging, there is a world of opportunity on the horizon. At the risk of maybe asking the impossible or oversimplifying, are there one or two overarching forces or trends for 2021 that everyone should read about regardless of industry, job title, or even uh, nationality? Yeah. So again, I, the theme of the report is the new world disorder. And so um, there are 12 volumes of the trend report. They each cover a different subject area. We actually also made a book zero. They're all numbered. Book zero is how we did the work. We actually showed it and all of the frameworks that we used. Um, you know, I think the AI book is always a good one for every organization, uh, regardless of what you do. Um, this year, there are a couple of additional sections in it that include some analysis on the talent pool um, and workforce 
a lot of people are asking questions now about what the future of work look like, looks like. And I think you might find some insights in that volume. I'm fascinated by the volume on health. Um, so much change over the past year. So that health volume is actually not so much about COVID as it is about Amazon and Google and all of the ways that our healthcare, not just in the United States, but elsewhere, um, will change as a result of all these new technologies, all this data that's being collected um, and things like that. So I think those two are pretty good. I'm partial, of course, to the synthetic biology volume and uh, biotech, because I think there's so much promise and so much uh, really interest, so many interesting things that are going to happen over the next 10 years. So those would be my, my top three choices. Where can people go to find your publications, Amy? Uh, futuretodayinstitute.com slash trends. Thank you so much for coming on, Amy. As always, we love having you here and all of the work that you do is so very interesting and useful to everyone. Amy Webb, Professor of Strategic Foresight at NYU's Stern School of Business, author, quantitative futurist, and CEO of the Future Today Institute. If somebody wants to connect with you personally, Amy, maybe they would just want to find out your thoughts and insights on a daily basis. How can they do that? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty ubiquitous on all the socials and on discord. So if you type in different combinations of Amy Webb or Amy Webb futurist, you'll, you'll find me. Sounds great. Thanks again, Amy. Thank you. And find more of my interviews and subscribe right here, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.